Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, in our Chiefs Wire roundtable, myself, Mitch Carty, and Talon Graff break down the big win over the Broncos, clinching another playoff spot, while looking ahead to Sunday's matchup with the Miami Dolphins. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire managing editor, Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, should the narrow victory over the Broncos be a cause for concern? Not really. I I think, you know, that game was a challenge and a holding penalty away from being another blowout in favor of Kansas City. So, yeah, I I don't think it really should be much of a cause for concern. I I think people will, will point to the Chiefs having more trouble against their AFC West opponents this season. And they'll point to it as some sort of sign of weakness or being, quote unquote, figured out. But I, I really think this is kind of the way it should be, right? These are the teams you face the most often, um, and you should be challenged the most by the teams that are most familiar with you. So I mean, all of these teams, they're very familiar with the Ch- Chiefs specifically being beaten by them, and they all want that, that beating to stop. The Raiders in particular, we saw how they responded after they got their first win against the Chiefs and I don't know how long. So... Uh, yeah, I think that these AFC West teams are giving giving their best shot. These games they play are literally, they mean everything to them because they've lost so many games. I mean, the Chiefs, I think it's something like 35-4 and four against the AFC West since 2015, which is like the most in the NFL. I think I, I saw that stat from, from uh, Chiefs reporter Matt McMullen. The most of the NFL among any any of the the divisions in the National Football League. So, I mean, it's just kind of crazy the type of dominance they've had over the division and whatnot. I I think the two things that fans are going to be harping on coming out of this game uh, and their biggest concerns will be the red zone offense and the lack of sacks on defense. And I think both of those concerns are going to be just a bit overblown. The, the point on sacks, it, it becomes a bit moot when you're top five in the NFL in pressures and you're allowing an average of 21 points per game. They might not be getting sacks, but they're they're doing enough defensively to win. And eventually those sacks are going to come. I feel like in the next you know quarter here, uh, next quarter of the season, we're going to have one of those games where it's like some of these pressures turn into sacks. So um, that that that's going to be something that comes up, and then with the red zone offense, they're they're second in the league in total points scored on offense. I I don't think you need to worry about this team losing because of their lack of scoring on the offensive side of the ball. I just don't think that's going to be just a, a real concern. I think they rank somewhere in the right in the top third of the league in terms of red zone offense. Can they be better? Absolutely. They absolutely can be better. Obviously, they use a lot of gimmick-type plays down there. And those only they seem to be the only things that are working, right? They're not just, like, tossing the ball up to Kelsey or, you know, finding a receiver in the back of the end zone. They're, they're not really doing a lot, I think, at least, to take advantage of Patrick Mahomes' natural abilities in the red zone. So there are some things they can probably do better there. 
And, and I think they will. Uh, I, I just think that this this last game might have been an eye opener, maybe in that regard, that they need to work on some things there. I expect there to be a couple extra uh, red zone sessions in the practice week this week leading up to the game against the Miami Dolphins. What are your thoughts on the Chiefs clinching their sixth straight postseason appearance? Really, it's just it's hats off to Chiefs head, head coach Andy Reid and his staff. I mean, they've just been incredible. They've been the one constant the last six seasons that have really helped this team uh, kind of achieve a whole new level. One that I think many fans probably couldn't even imagine after, say, the 2012 season. I, I mean, no one could have expected this type of thing to happen for this team back then. Uh, if you had told a fan, hey, we're going to have, you know, the league MVP win a Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP uh, and, and, you know, uh, six, seven years from now, I, I don't think anyone would have believed you. So and, and it, it didn't even matter if it was Alex Smith or Patrick Mahomes. They they found a way to make this team work and win football games. And I, I mean, again, just hats off to to Reed and, and his staff for for doing all the incredible things they've done uh, these past six seasons and even beyond that. I mean, what they missed the playoffs once uh, in in what was it, twenty sixteen or <laughs> whatever that one weird season was. So uh, yeah, kudos to them for that. And um, I, I think this year, at least, the most impressive thing for me, there is no celebration when the Chiefs clinch the postseason berth, right? Most teams would be like popping bottles in the locker room or busting out some hats or bragging about it in their postgame interviews. We're going to the playoffs. But Tyron Matthew and some other players didn't even realize that the team had clinched a playoff berth with this win last week. They had no idea. So it just tells you that their goals are truly elsewhere. They are trying to run it back. They are solely focused on winning another Super Bowl. And um, they're, they're focused on winning out the rest of the season. Their their work is not done uh, during the regular season just because they've clinched that playoff berth. The Chiefs have a chance to earn the top seed in the AFC after Pittsburgh's loss. How important is that bye week? Yeah, this year, the, the number one seed is obviously very important because it's the only seed that gets a bye week. The importance of that bye week for this team, I'd say it's very important. We know how good Andy Reid is with extra time to prepare for an opponent. Uh, his his win-loss record is pretty uh, incredible. Obviously, they won't know who that opponent is with, with much much less extra time, but he'll still get time to you know, install plays, work something up, uh, maybe get something creative that that will help them win that game. So that extra time is important uh, for that, but it's also important for guys to get healthy uh, after this final quarter of the season. You know, it could be the difference between having a key player available or not having that key player available. So uh, right now the team's really healthy and that probably is not a big issue but in the next four weeks something could pop up you know what if uh, Chris Jones has a groin issue again or Sammy Watkins you know uh, tweaks the hammy again so that that could be something to to, to monitor and keep an eye on these next couple of weeks how team health is because um, that's going to be really it's it's going to determine how important that bye week is for this team but uh, but that, that being said, I think this team is good enough to take the long road to the Super Bowl and still win it. Because I, I just don't see any offenses out there that 
in the AFC that can really go blow for blow with with Patrick Mahomes and, and the Chiefs offense, save for maybe the Raiders. I, I mean, that's the only team we've seen that that can actually uh, accomplish that. And, and everything has to go right for them to be able to do that. And their defense obviously really struggles to to stop the, the Chiefs and Mahomes. So that's uh, one of those things where it's a, you know, it, it's a glass cannon type of situation for them. But uh, it's not even a guarantee that the Raiders make it to the playoffs at this point. So, um, you know, all the teams I'm looking at, you know, uh, the Titans. I mean, we, we saw what what their offense could do last season. And I don't really know that it's improved much since then. They really are very reliant on that, you know, play-action passing game and, and the threat of Derrick Henry. And uh, Pittsburgh, I mean, I think we we all saw this past week how, you know, they're not perfect. They're not, you know, they're not the undefeated team that everyone was hoping they could be and go uh, 16-0. I mean, everyone except for Chiefs fans out there. But, you know, so uh, it's one of those things where I think it's important, but it's not going to be the end of the world if the Steelers don't trip up again and they don't have a chance at it. Um, I, I think that that no matter what, this team's going to be prepared and, and ready to take care of business once they uh, suit up in the playoffs. What should the Chiefs expect from Tua and the Miami Dolphins this week? You know, the Dolphins aren't asking Tua to do anything fancy in that offense right now. Even in terms of, of RPOs, they're keeping things kind of basic there. Um, the offensive line is still a work in progress and sometimes has trouble protecting the quarterback. See the the Denver game where Tua was kind of benched uh, in favor of Ryan Fitzpatrick because he was getting hit a lot. Um, and similarly, Miami's still building up a stockpile of offensive weapons around uh, Tua. They've had some issues with drop passes and, and and that sort of thing. I think Devontae Parker is probably the guy that that you're going to want to worry most about. Usually, in those Chan Gailey offenses, uh, that number one receiver receiver gets a ton of targets i mean we think back to when he was with the chiefs Dwayne bow i mean had some of his his most productive seasons so um yeah i think i think that that parker's probably a guy that they're going to want to circle and you know someone's either going to travel with him or uh you know everyone's gonna get prepared to to face him but uh all that said tua has the it factor like he can make some crazy plays happen out of his own volition. He's got the arm. Obviously, he's, he's throwing left-handed there. That's going to be fun to see. Not many lefty quarterbacks, uh, really not any in the league for a while. So that'll be fun to watch that. And you know, situationally, I think we can expect the Dolphins to to mix in some different like uh, up-tempo stuff. They had some success doing that against the Bengals, and they've had some success doing that with Tua in the past. I think if the Dolphins' offense is struggling, that's when they can try and push the pace to to maybe catch the the KC defense. I'm not expecting that to be like the game plan right from the get go for them to come out and just like you know up tempo, no huddle stuff right right from from the get go. I don't think that's going to be much uh, successful for them. Overall, though, I, I don't really expect to see anything overly creative out of this bunch. I mean, Gailey's a good play designer, so he could have a couple that, that you know, catch us off guard. But I expect him to kind of be a bit aggressive 
in this game, knowing that his best shot to win is to play aggressive. And I think that the Chiefs will be able to take advantage of that defensively. I think they've got enough playmakers. They've got, um, you know, enough leaders on the defense that they'll be able to respond to kind of this young ascendant offense. And, uh, yeah, I I think it's going to be a good game. I think this is going to be probably one of the better games we've seen out of the Chiefs and uh, their opponent in the last couple weeks. I think they might even, you know, be able to keep it kind of close. So, uh, I think it'll be fun to watch. I think it'll be a, a good one uh, for for everybody. And hopefully, uh, you know, the Chiefs can come away with a win. And as always, Charles, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've got plenty of stuff recapping uh, week 13. As always, we've got uh, great stuff from, from Ed here and from uh, Mitch Carney and from uh, Talent Graph, from John Dillon, our, our whole team here at Chiefs Wire. Um, we had a few important updates from from Andy Reid on Clyde Edwards-Elair and uh, Colin Saunders. Um, so those ones are, are kind of important because he answered a couple of questions that people had uh, either after this game or um, you know kind of after the past few weeks in case of Saunders. Uh, we have our, our weekly look at the AFC playoff picture. Specifically this week, we were looking at what the uh, Steelers' loss means for Kansas City. So check that out if you're kind of confused about where things stand after that and kind of what a tiebreaker could mean um, if, if they finish with the same record. Um, and then, you know, our preview content for Week 14 will start up uh, to, to ramp up today kind of as it usually does. So be on the lookout for that. And as always, we, we just appreciate you guys so much for, for tuning into the podcast, reading the website. We couldn't do all of this without the support of the Chiefs Kingdom. So thank you so much. And as always, go Chiefs. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Chiefs Wire Podcast, we are back. It's that time again. It is time for the Chiefs Wire Roundtable. I got Mitch Carney. I got Talon Graff. Guys, another win. And uh, this one, even it's a little bit more special than the others because it clinches yet another playoff spot. And I just want to get you guys' initial reactions to this, that the uh, Chiefs are going back to the postseason for a fifth straight year. Talon, I want to know, what are your thoughts on this? Hey, it's huge. It's always, I mean, that's always got to be goal number one for any football team is to make the playoffs. Cause if you don't make the playoffs, nothing else matters. Um, you know, and then after that, then it, then you can focus on winning your division. And then after that, you can focus on, you know, the first round by or whatever, but um, yeah. So checking that playoff, making the playoffs, that that's a big check mark. Yeah. Making the playoffs was a big deal. Uh, my only thing is, is like, that's like the bare minimum we expect from the Chiefs. Like, if they don't make the playoffs, it's a complete failure of a season, like like a huge complete failure, like even though we expect more from this team. So it's a good thing that, you know, they got this first step done and made it to the playoffs because, like, if, if not, like, uh, who knows what we would have thought. But there's no question in mind that they were going to make the playoffs this year. So um, it's it's what they do in the playoffs. It's what's, it's what's going to, you know, decide if this season was a success or not. Well, that's definitely true. I think the, the next big step, as you brought up Talon, and um and Mitch, you were just alluding to is that what do they do next? The biggest uh, 
hurdle left in a regular season is winning the division, which is pretty much, I think we kind of expect that, right? It, the Raiders were about a couple of seconds away from just giving the division to the, to the Chiefs anyway. Now we're looking at a, a situation because the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers finally, uh, finally fell for the first time this season. That number one seed is up for grabs, and we know this season that the number one seed is the most important one because that is the only one that has a buy in, in regards to the new rules. It's no longer the first and second seed that get a buy. I just want to touch on that and uh, start with you, Mitch. The importance now of winning out, you know, playing the starters and, and, uh, and guys just going all out because that number one seed is still out there for grabs. And you just got to hope for possibly another loss by the uh, Steelers in the, in the uh, conference in order to get that spot. Mitch, what are your thoughts on the importance of the number one seed? Yeah, I mean, getting that number one seed is huge. Like, getting that extra week of bye is, like, a really big benefit. Like, I don't remember the, the percentage, but I think, like, you know, at least 70% of teams that won the last, you know, 50 Super Bowls or, like, since they've had, like, a team get a bye. Um, I don't know the, the the exact stat, but, like, most teams that win the Super Bowl have at least that bye week. And now, since there's only one, it just makes it that much more important. Uh, so, with that being said, like, the Chiefs just need to win out. Uh, I don't think they should focus on what Pittsburgh's doing too much. Just, hey, just win one game at a time. Let's not look ahead. You know, let's just make sure we can finish the season 15-1. and one, Then hopefully Pittsburgh can just lose one more game. It doesn't matter if it's out of conference or in conference. Um, if it's in conference, that'd be great because the Chiefs can lose one more and then they'd still be able to get that first seed. But um, the Chiefs just need to focus on winning out that way. That's, you know, as long as they do their job, hey, they're going to have that number one seed and be in a really good position once the playoff starts. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, not only getting that bye week, of, you know, helps you in the playoff picture uh, and, and your chances at the Super Bowl, but, you know, take it a step further with the Chiefs and Andy Reid and his record after buys. Man, you add those two, yeah, that, that bye looks really, really good if you're, you know, the Chiefs. So, yeah, winning out is almost pivotal at this point, and it's not a, out of the question. But yeah, Mitch hit it right on the head. One game at a time. That control what you can control. Control what you can control. Um, you know, you you don't play the Steelers. You can't focus on them at all. They're not even on your radar at this point. So, yeah, exactly what Mitch said. One game at a time, and and take care of what you need to take care of, and and hopefully the dominoes fall in your in your favor. Speaking of taking care of what you have to take care of. There was a little worry towards the end of the uh, Sunday night game against the Broncos, and this was a Broncos team coming in struggling, just getting their quarterback back, uh, a lot of question marks heading into the game. But they were able to keep up with the Chiefs for um, pretty much the entire game, and it came down to the last possession, obviously Teron Matthew getting the uh, interception to end it. But it should there be a little cause for concern seeing how the Broncos, how well they played against the Chiefs in that game, and telling them going back to you on this. No, it's not too concerning in my opinion. I think, um, and, and I think you kind of allude to it every week, and, and I, I tend to struggle with that a little bit, but I think you're right. Um, playing in, within the division is just always going to be tough, and, and the more those teams, you know, they played Mahomes twice a year. They play the Chiefs offense twice a year, so you're just going to get to know each other, and you're going to figure out how to slow them down. You're, they're going to do that, um, and we, we've seen it this year. We've seen – where the AFC West has given their best shot to the Chiefs time and time again. So I think that's just going to 
you know, that's just the way it is. Teams figure each other out. Mahomes is not unstoppable. Uh, he is human. He's, he's a real quarterback. Um, so yeah, there are ways to obviously scheme around and, 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 and slow that offense down. I think that's just what we're seeing. So no, I'm not too concerned about that. It was just a weird game for me because like, if you look at the stat sheet, it looks like the chiefs dominated the Broncos. It looks like we won by like 20 points because the chiefs got down into the red zone. They were moving the ball with ease. They just couldn't get it into the end zone. So we should have had, should have had a lot more points. Tyreek Hill had a drop touchdown pass. Um, you know, the Chiefs has played a lot better, in my opinion, than what the score shows. They just cannot get into the red zone to save their – and not to not get into the end zone to save their lives. So, um, it's just kind of one of those weird games. I think the Chiefs played actually really well. They just could not finish. So, but I'm not really too concerned. I think, you know, that was just kind of one of those weird games. Hopefully they get the, uh, the red zone and the third down stuff figured out, but I'm not really too concerned. Right, and it was kind of a very odd situation. That whole Tyreek Hill wasn't a touchdown catch. What you know, wasn't not a catch. I, I would real quick, guys. I want to get your opinion, Mitch, and I want to start with you. When you saw that whole thing go down, then you saw the replay. They showed it a bunch of times on NBC. Were you upset that the Chiefs didn't even try to try to try to challenge it at all and see if they could uh, reverse the call because it looked like a catch uh, initially? Uh, what were your thoughts, Mitch? I mean, I'm not really too upset because, like, I also thought it was complete for a little while. Um, you know, I just kind of wish they would have slowed down and not punted the ball out so fast. But, like, it's just kind of – it's a little frustrating because it's like I just wish Tyreek Hill would have known he caught the ball. Like, he thought he didn't catch it. Nobody thought he caught the ball. So, this is this really weird situation. I don't think it's going to happen again. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little upset about it because that would have been, like, the coolest, you know, touchdown catch of the season. If I over and like catch of the year or something like that because it was it was pretty awesome but um it's a little frustrating but what are you gonna do like it was just one of those weird circumstances where everybody was just confused on what was happening yeah you know it it kind of got me upset to be honest um just knowing that there are there are people there are coaches on that staff dedicated to doing that exactly is is alerting the head coach to hey this play you know, hey, slow down. We might have something here. You know, they they look at the replays. They buzz down to the coach. You know, then it slows everything down. Someone somewhere in that booth didn't do their job. So that, you know, t I don't blame Tyree Kill. It's not really, you know, if, unless he just knew 100% he made it. Yeah, say something. But in that situation, he had no idea how, that that ball was still, you know, legal or whatever. Uh, not, not mad at Andy Reid. Anybody on the sideline, but somebody in the booth, didn't do their job and I, I yeah they probably have something to explain come Monday morning I agree completely with both of you guys I was frustrated immediately I'm like okay we're seeing the replay if we're seeing the replay at home and they're showing it on NBC if you're a coach in the booth like you were saying Talon how is it that you're not glued to a replay or something that it could be disputed I, I just that is a job right isn't that a job for somebody that's up there I'm really surprised by the fact that it even got to that point. But, uh, you know, lucky enough, the Chiefs did not need the points. They were able to pull it out. But it's just one of those things where, you know, everyone has to do their job, and that was an example of it. But uh, speaking of people doing their jobs, how about Travis Kelsey? I know we talk about him every week, but he had another milestone. This is the fifth straight season, uh, over 1,000 yards. And this was only week 13. He's already over 1,000 yards receiving. And people keep forgetting he's a tight end. 
So I, I have to come back to you guys and, and Talon, I'm gonna start with you. Should Travis Kelsey get a lot more attention and probably a lot more respect in the MVP talks? Oh man, you know, yeah, he, he should get more. Um, does he deserve an MVP? No, but he deserves to be like talked about among the best in the game, no matter the position. Um, cause he is that good. And, and what we're witnessing here is, you know, stuff that's never been done. And, and Travis Kelsey is right in his prime. And so we're, you know, we're witnessing it as it's happening. And, you know, 10 years from now, when we look back, we're going to think, man, remember how good Kelsey was. And he's going to be talked about for, for decades, just because, you know, he's a surefire hall of famer and we're just, we're getting it in the prime of it. So it's, it's pretty cool to, to be able to watch that. Yeah, MVP talk is, uh, is saying a lot, but he for sure needs to be in some type of conversation for Offensive Player of the Year or something like that because he's just dominating the league right now. Like, there's always been questions about him being maybe the second best tight end to Gronk or even Kittle last year, but like, it's obvious now that he's the best tight end in the league and there's no question about it. I don't want to hear about, oh, he's not as good as a blocker as Kittle or anything like that because even if he's not as good as a blocker, even though I think he's uh, you know, undervalued as the blocker. I think he's a lot better than what people think. He's so good in their passing game that it's insane. And he's, you know, he's up there with some of the best receivers in the league. I think he's only like five yards behind DK Metcalf. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's leading the league and in, in receiving yards by the end of the year. So he definitely needs to be in some type of conversation. Rather, it's offensive player of the year or even maybe getting an MVP vote or two. I mean, like I said, I know the traditional league that that's an award that that never goes to the tight end to to the tight end, but I just can't see how voters can ignore the stuff that he's done. I mean, the guy's always he always finds a way to get open, which I, I still find to be amazing. You know, as a tight end and how he is such a big target, he always finds a way to get open, and no one's had an answer for him for what the last five years now. So it, it should be interesting to see once we get down to the whole voting process and how. Uh, how it all like runs out for him. But I'm just saying Travis Kelsey, amazing season. Now we've been talking about so many good things that have been happening with the chiefs, obviously from this win, we got to talk about some things that are a bit of a concern the defensive line, another tough game, pretty quiet as well. Talent. I'm going to start with you on this. What is going on with the, with getting pressure to the quarterback? I feel like that's kind of calmed down over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, no, that's, that's a million dollar question. And, uh, I'm not really sure what's happening. I don't know why they can't get to the quarterback. I don't know. I know um, the Chiefs don't blitz a whole awful lot, but when they do, they usually send a defensive back. And we've seen, you know, I feel like I've seen a lot in the last couple of weeks, a lot of pressure on the quarterback coming from defensive backs, Daniel Sorensen, Tyron Matthew. Um, you know, I feel like we're trying to utilize those sort of packages in our favor and get to the quarterback. But really, the focus needs to be on the defensive line, getting more pressure and getting more production from them. Cause, but I, I don't know. I'm not sure what the deal is. Cause we have, you know, two of apparently uh, high dollar players, but we're not getting high dollar results. So something that needs to be addressed. I, I do know that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think you're doing more than what people think they're doing. Like, obviously sacks is a big deal but I know Frank Clark is a really good run defender he's you know he's pretty consistent still in that area um you know I think Jones is still actually playing pretty well I just feel like he's getting double teamed a lot but still a little concerning you want to see a little bit more from him I just feel like they take some plays off um but I have faith that once the playoffs start and they you know and you know 
once the playoffs start, they'll start playing better. Hopefully, I don't know. I'm a little concerned. But um, something needs to change either in their minds or Spags need to figure, needs to figure something out because it's just not working right now. And I don't want to be a position once the playoffs start, like, hey, we're not able to get any pressure on Big Ben or Josh Allen, you know, or paying these guys a lot of money to sack the quarterback and they're just not getting the job done. I don't think we're going to be able to win playoff games by only getting pressure with our safeties. Chris Jones, Frank Clark making big money, as you guys were saying. You guys see the results every week. And, you know, Frank Clark, obviously, last week, well, the week prior, I should say, with all the penalties, I didn't help his cause either. So let's see what they do heading into Miami. Uh, this whole situation played against the Dolphins. You're going against another young quarterback in Tua. This Dolphins team is not what you would expect. I, you know, on paper, originally, they didn't look that great. But uh, the defense is solid. They have – they're building something good on offense, obviously, with Tua. When you see this uh, Miami Dolphins team, what is your first thought? And, uh, Mitchell, what's your start on this? Yeah, I think Miami is an up-and-coming team. Like, they look really good. They could even maybe win their division. So, I'm impressed with what they've done. You know, they've had a complete turnaround from being one of the worst teams into the league to being a a playoff contender. Uh, I think Tua is going to be a really good quarterback in the league that's going to be around for a really long time. I'm rooting for him. I've always really liked him from his days in Alabama. So um, I think they're, they're a good team. I think the Chiefs really have to play their best football if they want to beat Miami just because Miami has something to play for. They're, they're, they're trying to make the playoffs for the first time in a while. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see how this game plays. But I think the Chiefs actually need to, like, you know, take this game very seriously. If not, they're going to be embarrassed. Yeah, Brian Flores has done a really nice job with this team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He has them uh, schemed up really well. Um, you know, he has the right players in the right spot, which we haven't really seen in Miami. I feel like that's been the biggest thing. Like they have good players. They have big-name players. They, just, they seem out of place. Well, now they're starting to figure stuff out and, and how to best utilize the talent that they have. Because um, it's not like Miami's never had talent. But it looks like now they have the right coach in the, in, in the right spot. The defense is playing like a, like a Super Bowl unit. Uh, the offense has, a, you know, a, a vast variety – of young players, starting with Tua. Um, they just got Miles Gaskin back. He had another big day. Um, he's their leading rusher. And then, you know, finally, Devontae Parker, uh, you know, kind of living up to the potential that it, everybody kind of always saw in him. Um, but he never, you know, there's just that kind of a rotating door quarterback, and he and Tannehill never really seemed to be on the same page. But, um, yeah, they have a lot of good young players, and it's a team that is, is hungry for a win. They, they've been on a little streak. Um, they've only lost once in like last eight games, I think. So, you know, they're 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 not going to roll over in this game. They're sitting the same old Dolphins. So, yeah, the Chiefs better come at it, um, you know, focused in. This is a very scary matchup, and it, it's scary for me because you know, obviously we talk about the lack of pass rush with the Chiefs defense, but then you look at the offensive side of the ball. Something that has been kind of uh, kind of hidden because of how great Mahomes has been over the last month. The running game hasn't been great. Um, there has been a lot of inconsistencies in regards to, obviously, Clyde Wurzelaire has been sick, so he gets a bye for this past week. But Le'Veon Bell, you still don't see it. You don't see that spark that he can provide as the, uh, as the running back. And it's a real cause for concern because towards the, I say towards the, end, of the uh, end of the game, they abandoned the run altogether. And that became such a thing that, you could see a team like Miami with a good defense 
that can really take advantage of that situation. What is it going to take for a guy like Le'Veon Bell or even Clyde Edwards-Alaire to make an impact on this game? And uh, Talon, I want to start with you on this. I know you're a big running back guy. Yeah, uh, I think one thing I would like to see more of is utilizing Sherman in the running game. Um, I know I know they like to use him a lot in like the passing game and screens and in little sneaky plays, but uh, and he's a big special team contributor. But I want to see him more in goal line situations. I want to see see him line it up uh, and hand it off to Daryl Williams and just power it in like like kind of an old school football team would. Because um, obviously there's the rookie Ceh, uh, Le'Veon Bell, in my opinion. You know, just haven't seen him this season. He just didn't seem to be the same player anymore. Um, there just doesn't seem to be the burst. Uh, and it really, I kind of just kind of, it, it, it caught me, you know, Sunday night. It really hit me like, oh, he just, he doesn't, he doesn't have that anymore. Um, so I don't think it's ever going to happen. I don't think he's going to be that big contributor. I think he's just always kind of be what he is right now, um, which is okay. If, if we get to the Super Bowl, if he helps out, that's great. Um but anyway, I think that's kind of just, you know, where everything is right now. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, my only concern is is that I know the running backs haven't been playing up to par. Um, you know, they could definitely play a little bit better. But my biggest concern is actually with the interior offensive line. It just looks like they're just getting blown up every play and the running backs just aren't getting much of a chance to run stuff up the middle. So I, I, I don't know if maybe they should bring in Wisniewski and, you know, maybe that will help burst things up or maybe bring in Sherman just to be an extra blocker, just to be a blocker for the running backs. But there's just – it's just mostly for me that their line, if they can clean that up, I think their running backs will start to play better. Maybe we see Le'Veon Bell have a little bit more patience and he's able to have a little bit more of a burst. But it just looks like they're, they're just having to do so much in the backfield just because that interior, interior line has been so bad. That is a very good point. The uh, line has been pretty banged up in regards to – uh, just some type of stability. And you see it on the field. You see it with the running back um, situation. It's these things that have to be cleared up before the playoffs start. And this game against the Dolphins is going to be a great matchup. And, you know, we talked about, too, and how you, and, um, Mitch, you actually said that he's going to be one of the great quarterbacks in this game. Here's a matchup where you know he's going to be on a national stage because he's playing against Patrick Mahomes, who's widely considered going to be the MVP this season. Can you see a guy like Tua – potentially becoming the level of where Mahomes is right now and uh, even growing into that type of player? Because we've seen flashes already. It's just more about him, I guess, staying healthy. And and I'm just curious for your thoughts on this. So, uh, Talon, actually, Mitch, I want to start with you on this. I mean, yeah, I think he has potential, but Mahomes is setting a bar that's so high right now. It's hard for It's going to be really hard for other quarterbacks to hit that. Um. I think Tua is going to be a really good quarterback. I think he's going to be their franchise guy moving forward for a long time, as long as he can stay healthy. I know he's had a couple of injury problems, but, you know, those things happen. I mean, Mahomes, you know, his knee was out of his – he had a dislocated knee last season. He was able to come back, and he's played really good since then. I know Tua's had a little bit more serious ones, but Mahomes is setting the bar so high right now. I don't know if Tua is going to be able to reach that. Um, but he definitely has potential. I think he's going to be a really good quarterback in this league. Um, but I just don't know if you'll hit Mahomes' bar. Yeah, I don't I don't think Mahomes' bar is really reachable by anybody. Um it's he's that good. But yeah, two is two is going to be a good quarterback, like Mitch said. Um he already is and he's he's 
already, I feel like have exceeded some expectations. Um, yeah, it's just the injuries. Obviously, he had that big one in college, and this this year he's already kind of dealt with them. So as long as he stays healthy, I mean, yeah, Miami has a quarterback. Um, they, they have stuff to be excited about for the future. Just as long as you know that health doesn't come into a, come into play there, um, he's got a bright career for sure. It will definitely be interesting to see how he's able to balance, especially being a guy playing in Miami. I mean, they, they pretty much gave him. The keys early. I, I thought Fitzpatrick has played such – he's played very well this this season, and any other team would still be the starter. So it's a, it's a very interesting situation, obviously, too, where they see something in practice, they see something that made them say – that I guess Brian Flores saw that says this is the guy that we have to go with right now. Now, we didn't get into this uh, last week, and I, I apologize for not doing it, but we got to do this week's X Factor. So I need you guys to pick an X Factor from this game – it could be offense, it could be defense, it could be special teams. Who is your X-Factor player that will change everything in this upcoming game? Talon, you're up first. I'm going to go Sammy Watkins. Uh, since he's returned, I feel like he's kind of – he hadn't really had that moment, you know, the breakout moment. But at some point and, – and Brian Flores comes from that Bill Belichick tree where you take away the, the most dangerous threats and, and, you know, get beat. You, you don't ever get beat by their best player. Uh, that, that's the mentality. So they're going to take away Kelsey. They're going to try to scheme away and take away Hill. So that's when Sammy Watkins needs to step up and, 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 and be that, that X factor that we've seen him be before. So I'm going to go with Sammy Watkins. I'm going to go with Daniel Sorensen. Um, I think this is going to actually be a really good game for the defense. I think, I think Spags is going to be able to do some things that's going to confuse Tua and get to him. Hopefully we're able to get pressure on him. But I think Daniel Sorensen, just being the type of player he is and the way he's been playing lately, I think he's going to be all over the field. They're going to ask him to probably cover the tight end a little bit. Um, so I think this could be a good game by him, and I think he'll maybe uh, get a pick or two. Where he'll get a pick and this, you know, kind of be all over the field like we've seen the last couple of weeks. Okay. You know what? We were just beating up the defensive line earlier, but I feel like this is a game where they're, they're needed so much dealing with a quarterback like two where they can't move around a little bit and make plays. So I'm going to have to go with Frank Clark because I know he's been on um, – he's been in the doghouse the last uh, two weeks, especially with talent. I remember what you said before about his uh, penalties. So uh, I think Frank Clark has a big game. He puts a little more pressure on Tua and uh, finally gets, a, gets another sack. So that's my X factor, and um, I, I feel comfortable. I think it, he's due – this defensive line, they need something to feel good about as we uh, head towards the end of the season right now. It's, it's amazing. We're already heading into week 14. So this is, uh, this is 2020. It's speeding by. Uh, okay, guys. Now it's time to uh, break down who's going who's gonna to win and what's the final score. Talon, you're up first. All right. Uh, yeah, I think the Chiefs come out, and I think they're going to have that red zone issue sewn up for at least one week. They're, they're going to game plan for something. They're going to make a statement. Um, so, yeah, I think they're going to come out hot. <clears throat> so I'm going to say the Chiefs take this one 33 uh, to 17. Yeah, I think the Chiefs are just a better team than the Dolphins. Um, I think they'll have some things cleaned up in the red zone, just kind of like what Talon said. 
Um, and I also think that the defense is going to be able to do things that make Tua uncomfortable just because he is a rookie and they do have a good defense, even though they have their downfalls, they have their problems, but they're still a pretty good defense. They're a championship winning defense. So I think they're going to be able to do some things. Chiefs are going to win big 34 to 13. 34 to 13. Wow. Okay. I like how you call them a good defense when you see Chiefs still put up 34 in them. I like that, Mitch. That's uh, <laughs> that's some good stuff. Um, you know what? I, because I do respect their defense as well, and I, I know the Chiefs have been uh, clicking on all cylinders lately, I still have the Chiefs winning, but it's going to be a little bit closer. I got the Chiefs winning 27-20. And um, I, I feel like that the Dolphins are that type of team where they're going to push you – and they're fighting for a playoff spot as well. This isn't just about the Chiefs in terms of the number one seed. The uh, Dolphins have a lot to fight for, and that's what makes them extremely dangerous. So it should be a fun game regardless. But uh, now that we're heading towards the uh, home stretch of the season, I'm curious as to is there, is there a game that you see in the, in the final couple uh, matchups for the Chiefs that could be a problem and, and that the Chiefs should really, like, I mean, obviously you have to win them all, but this is a team that you that worries you a little bit in terms of their last upcoming um, upcoming matchups. Uh, Mitch, what is your thoughts in terms of the rest of the season? Who's a team that you feel like could be a problem? I think the obvious answer is the Saints. I mean, they're a championship roster right now. Um, I don't think Drew Brees would be back. I'm not for sure when he's you know scheduled to be returned. I I think he'd be back before playoffs or at least when the playoffs starts. But the Saints are a really good team, so they could cause some problems for the Chiefs. Um, I still think the Chiefs are the better team and will win that game, but that's the one team that I'm kind of looking at looking at that can definitely, you know, give the Chiefs some issues. Yeah, I'm going to say the Falcons. Um, you know, they still have – you know, they're going through a lot of issues this season, obviously, coaching change midseason. Um, but, you know, Julio Jones, if he's healthy and ready to go – is still one of the best receivers in the league. Calvin Ridley is really hard to stop. Um, they have a couple of secondary receivers that are really good in the open field. Matt Ryan is still, you know, Matty Ice at times. They have a good offense, and that defense is sneaky good too. That that could be a little bit of a trap game for the Chiefs heading into that, you know, that second to last game of the season. Um, so I I have the Falcons circled on my schedule schedule as one that you know maybe maybe keep an eye on. I hear you on that. Definitely the team like the Falcons having a new coach right now and just a new mentality. They're still dangerous. They still have those weapons out there, Julio Jones, et cetera. But uh, I do agree with Mitch. Uh, the Saints are right there on that schedule. They're playing well. Uh, Taysom Hill, you know, it's debatable as to whether or not he's a good quarterback, but uh, he's been doing the job. And whether or not Drew Brees plays is still up for, you know, anybody's guess. But the Saints still have a lot of weapons, and they could be very dangerous as a team um, going against the Chiefs, especially if the defense isn't getting pressure on the quarterback. It's These are big factors when you're playing against a team like the, like the Saints. But um, another team I do want to throw out there as an honorable mention, the Chargers. And I, this is only because of how well they played all the way back in week two that it came to an overtime field goal from Butker to win the game. So... It, it all falls under my uh, thing that I've said every single week, Talon. The AFC West, when you're playing the division, you never know. These teams always play hard. It doesn't matter what the, what the record is. 
And the Chargers have been struggling all season, but they've lost a lot of close games. So they're a team that's always going to be around, and they could be really dangerous. So we'll see what happens. But uh, all right, guys, last thoughts. What are your final thoughts as we head into week 14 already, week 14? And it doesn't have to be about the Chiefs. It could just be about the NFL in general. What are your thoughts heading into week 14? Talon, I'm going to start with you. Man, I think the AFC is is loaded, and I think any team that gets to the playoffs from the AFC could go to the Super Bowl realistically. Um, I think it's going to be an absolute gauntlet, which is another reason why that number one seed is so important. Because, um, man, any team could go in any round, and it's just a very good uh, conference this season. I'm just hoping the season lasts. Uh, I know Des Bryant just got confirmed that he had COVID, so hopefully he turns out all right. Um, but, you know, just, you know, all these games getting moved around, uh, it just really makes me think that there should be a bubble once the playoffs start. So I just hope the season lasts. Uh, I think the Chiefs have a really good chance to win the Super Bowl. So I really hope this season is, is able to finish. That's all I have, and I think we're, we're going to be looking pretty good once the playoffs start. I agree that uh, it's still COVID. It's still out there. So, you know, hopefully everybody can figure out a way to make the playoffs safe because there's going to be a, a good chance that games can still get moved around, even though they will be just playoff games. So the bubble's a thing, man. This is something to think about. Um, guys, as always, thank you for uh, chiming in and sharing your thoughts on the Chiefs. I uh, just want to remind everybody to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, at the Chiefs Wire, share your thoughts. If you have thoughts on everything that we just talked about, uh, feel feel free to just share them. Um, until next week, for Talon Graff, Mitch Carney, I'm Ed Easton Jr. Thanks for tuning in. Now it's time for a look back at some of the sound from the press conferences this past week. Hey, Travis, I know you're not really into stats and all that, but you became the first tight end ever to have a fifth 1,000-yard um, receiving season. Is that at all meaningful to you um, in light of what else is going on right now? Um, not, I mean, it's, uh, it's something cool to, I guess, hang your hat on. Uh, when the career is over, I would, I would assume right now I'm just focused on, you know, the task at hand, trying to win football games and uh, – uh, gonna enjoy this one for a night with the uh, with the family, and then from there just um, focus on Miami. But uh, all that stuff, I mean, uh, this this game is you know I'm not the same without ten other guys on that football field playing their tail off uh, to move the ball down the field. And uh, I'm a firm believer that uh, individual accolades are a bit overrated in this game. Um, and uh, you know I'm just appreciative of being here in Kansas City and having uh, the consistency that we've had over the past few years. And uh, just fortunate, just very fortunate to be here. Let's go next to Darren Smith. Go ahead, Darren. Hey, Travis, congratulations on the win tonight. A couple of questions. Uh, when the offense stalls and you all end up having to kick a field goal, I know the accuracy of Bucker is, is a good, is something good to rely on. But how frustrating is it offensively that you all can't get the ball into the end zone? And then kind of following up as it relates to you all, uh, clinching the playoffs. I know you've made the playoffs the last uh, uh, the last five years here. Uh, with Kansas City, but does the team deem success as just winning the Super Bowl now that you all have gotten that taste, or does qualifying and making the playoffs, you know, uh, is successful in you all's eyes? Um, 
I mean, the ultimate goal is to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, we have goals within that. Winning the division is one of them. Trying to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs is another. And then uh, and then reaching the Super Bowl is obviously another. So it's just uh, trying to uh, take it game by game. You can't look too far ahead um, knowing that, you know, uh, we still have a lot of work to do. Uh, I know I said shout out to the Raiders, but shout out to the Broncos uh, for, for playing uh, – very good defense. I mean, it is what it is. They stuffed us in the in the red zone in the the past two times that we've played them. We'd had struggle. We struggled on third downs, um, and you know, accepting that challenge every single week and 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 trying to become a better football team because of it is just the mentality that we have. So, uh, moving on to Miami next week, and we'll roll from there. Let's go next to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Hey, Travis. Congrats on the win. I was curious when it comes to Patrick and these free plays, when you see those flags th- are thrown, is there a sense among you and the receivers and, and the other tight ends that, okay, this is on, we may be able to do something big here? Um, in, a, in a sense, it also depends on what play is being called. I mean, you know, uh, there's, there's typically one, maybe two home run shots if we get somebody to jump off sides on a, on a, on, on a deep pass. Um, but at the same time, if we don't have a deep pass, you know, there's, there's a little bit of wiggle room to, to try and make a play happen. But um, playing within the system, Coach Reed is, is and, and the offensive staff, EB, has done a, I've done an unbelievable job of, um, of creating a structure around that and, uh, and making it easier uh, to basically communicate on the field while we're playing instinctually um, to be in the right places. Another time was uh, on the third down where the play kind of broke down and I had a drop. Um, Knowing that getting around that back or that ball is going to be right there, um, we, we're still developing as as a team, and and I am as a person and and as a and as a, uh, as a player. So it's just um, learning from your from your last mistake and trying not to make it again, and uh, we just go from there. Let's go next to Matt McMullen. Good, Matt. Hey, Travis. So this is nothing new, but uh, Patrick made some great throws tonight, contorting his body in different arm angles. As a pass catcher, how much fun is that when the play is truly never dead because he's always going to find a way to get the ball out? It's, uh, you know, you always got a chance. And I'm not just saying always got a chance to win the game, but it, you, you, know, you, you know you always have a chance throughout the play. Um, and, uh, and even if, you know, they got us, they, they, they sniffed out a, a certain play that, that we were running, um, at the end of the day, Pat has the ability to make it work. And, uh, and I mean, it's, a, it's such a blessing to have that guy back there uh, slinging it around, man, because he um, he takes the ultimate pride in his craft and how he plays the game. And you know you can always count on him. Let's go next to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Brad, I'll have a follow-up, quick follow-up to this. Um, but, Travis, the, the, the play with Tyreek, uh, at what point on the sideline did you realize that he had actually caught that ball? And what was your reaction to that? Um. The play with Tyreek, man, I feel like there were a few of them. He, he caught the touchdown in the uh, first quarter, but you guys weren't able to review it in time. Did you not oh, see that? Oh, yeah, no, that was unbelievable. Yeah, no, I um, I forgot about that play. Golly, it was, uh, I mean, what an amazing catch, right? And uh, to be on the same page as your quarterback, knowing it's cover zero and he put the ball right where it needed to be um, and have a guy like Tyreek Hill, I mean, the dead, the most deadliest weapon uh, that I've ever seen play this game. And I, I stand behind that every single week. Um, he's good for, for uh, big plays throughout the entire game. And you have to account for that. And uh, that obviously makes my job and everybody else's job on the field easier. Um, but yeah, I wish we would have had an extra tick to, to throw a red flag or try and challenge that because um, that guy's unbelievable, man. 
And the, the second one, you, you touched on this very briefly, but, but the Broncos twice now were, able, were pretty successful against you guys on third downs. What were you seeing from them? Um, just, uh, just them playing hard. I mean, I feel like, uh, I want to say it was self-inflicted. I, I give props where, when props are due. And I mean, the Broncos played their tails off and then on, on in terms of third down and in the red zone, they, uh, they might've, they might've had us a little bit there, but, um, uh, we had a few batted balls, uh, and then just being on the same page as Pat, uh, on a few other, um, on a few other third downs, but, um, we will go ahead and look at the film obviously, and, uh, and, and figure everything out and find out where the mistakes are and try and clean that up. Got time for a couple more. We'll go Matt, Derek, and then Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Travis. You, clearly, statistically, over the last few games, you're playing one of the best streaks of your career. Curious if you think right now you are playing the best football of your career. And at 31, you know, how are you able to feel like you're doing this when other guys are dropping off? And Brad, I'll have a quick follow-up, too. Honestly, I um, I'm my worst critic, man. I'll leave a game thinking I didn't play that great, um, and it's happened over the past couple of games. Today, I know there were about uh, five to ten plays I wish I would have had back. I could have been better for my teammates, especially in the run game and the pass game, uh, and and so on. So it's just um, it's nonstop having that mentality of wanting to get better and uh, never being satisfied with that. Um, and um, I guess just right now, as we're rolling as an offense, um. It's uh, it's just been very fortunate that you know, I've been able to help out the team the way I have in the receiving game, and uh, and hopefully going forward that that stays true, and um, I'll be there every single time my my numbers dialed up. And just before halftime, you had that big catch down the right side, and had an absolutely textbook stiff arm. I'm just curious, you know, what was kind of going through your mind on that play? Um, well, he was, he, he was gloved on me, man. He had, uh, he started off playing pretty good leverage, uh, in terms of the route that I had to run, which is an outbreaking route. I tried to fake him inside and he had, he got a good, pretty good grip on me. And, um, I don't know. I was like, uh, I was like a crazy person in a straight jacket, man, just trying to get him off me, I guess at that point. Um, but yeah, just, uh, we talk about situational football all the time here and, uh, before the half and trying to get points before the half is a part, is part of that situational football that, that we harp on and, um, and knowing what, how much, how much time is on the clock, how many timeouts we have and what we have to do. Um, I knew that I had to, you know, fight my tail off to get out of bounds in that situation. We'll go last to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Travis, you heard from Tyron that the defense wants to keep, you know, the opponent to 70 points or less, uh, 16 points tonight. What do you appreciate most about seeing the other side of the football when they're performing? Just fighting, man. Just fight. Just the, the, the hunger, the, uh, the, the momentum that they, that they bring uh, week in, week out. You know, we feed off of that. Uh, especially when that the front guys stuff the run. You get the secondary guys breaking up passes, intercepting passes. Obviously, the Badger had two tonight, which got everybody fired up. Um, and we just, you know, we feed off of each other. And this is, like I've said it a million times, man, the, the guys in this room are why we're so successful. We have so many guys that want that want to show up every single morning and get better and uh, and play their tail off for the guy next to them. And uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's such a blessing to have uh, coming into work every day, enjoying what you're doing. Travis, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. All right, guys, have a good one. All right, guys, we got Harrison Buck here coming out.
For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.